Welcome to the Harvest Sound Podcast, for music and mission, truth and prophecy, creativity and compassion merge as one. So, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Coming at you from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Apostle Paul writing, and let's read. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I think we got one more passage, uh, starting at verse 17. And he says this, verse 17. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. Please be seated. So we're going to jump into some of this. Uh, we're, I'm going to, if I could have a title for it, I'd probably call it Pressing On or Press On, okay? But we're going to look at a couple of aspects of of the text here and, and what Apostle Paul is speaking. And the first thing I would just want to highlight to you guys, and I did a whole message on it some months back, I believe, if I remember correctly, called Your Citizenship is in Heaven. Citizenship in Heaven. And that is so important uh, that we understand where we come from, where we belong, who we are. You know, uh, heaven is the home of the righteous. And how do we become Righteous. Through Christ Jesus, right? Through the blood of the Lamb. He robes us with His righteousness as we have faith in His sacrifice. And so, but uh, heaven is our home because it's where we belong in the presence of God. In, in an atmosphere where there is no sin. Could you imagine? No more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. For all of eternity. This is just a blip on the radar right now. This life, it's, I mean, compared to eternity, I mean, you can't even probably measure it. It's just like, but it's, it's, I look at it as like the womb that we're in to be birthed into eternity, who we will be with that new body, the glorious body that God's preparing for us. Right now, we have a lowly body. It only lasts so long. It wears out. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed. The spirit man is being ready to be birthed into eternity, some onto eternal life and some onto eternal destruction. So with this concept, and I believe it's more than a concept, it's a reality. 
Here, here's what I believe. Some things are, are conceptual, but if you exercise the concept, it becomes a reality. It becomes actual. And so the concept that heaven is our home, our citizenship is in heaven, well, there's a reality to it, but it doesn't feel that real if you don't ever exercise that, if you don't ever step into that, if you don't know how to cultivate that. And so here's the question. Do you ever go there to heaven? Do you let yourself go there? Do you make time for that? Are you seated with him in heavenly places? We know uh, positionally, according to scripture, we are in Christ Jesus, but do we ever get to experience that? Do we know how to cultivate that, to live from there to here? See, here's the reality. We live there. We only work here. We got a job here. We got a mission here in this life. But our home is there. And so many times we get tripped up with material things uh, where we start to make it all cozy here. I think God loves us to enjoy the, the blessings of this life. But there's a, I think there's a line that we can cross where we just try to make heaven on earth in the sense of trying to wrap ourselves up and everything perfect. And it'll never be perfect here. This is a broken place and we're on mission to bring people to Jesus, to bring as many souls with us when we, when we enter into heaven. So we're to live from that place. And yet there's many Christians, the Bible calls them carnal Christians, earthly Christians, that I believe rarely visit that place, that don't even know, watch this, don't even have an appetite for the heavenly things. Oh, I'm saved. I got my fire insurance. And that's about as deep as it goes. And then we live like hell. And we call upon the name of Jesus when we're in trouble. How many believers are like that all across America? You know, there's Christians and then there's practicing Christians who actually put it into practice and are wholehearted in their devotion to Christ. But we're to, we're, we're to have a job here. We have a role here. We go to work. Every day we should look at it. It's not just entertainment here or amusing ourselves here. We, we should put on our hard hat for Jesus. That would be called the helmet of salvation, you know. And, and, and in the morning and say, okay, God, what's my assignment today? What would you have me do? We have a job to do. We have a calling. We like to call it a calling, a purpose, a destiny. We're to be witnesses. We're to be co-laborers with Christ. We're to be ambassadors of the king. Extending the word of life in darkness, in a generation that's lost its way, a perverse generation. It was the same back 2,000 years ago. Apostle Paul, Jesus described it the same way. There's nothing permanent in this life except your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with the body of Christ that's going together into eternity. Everything else is passing away, and we're just a passing through. And the more we understand that, that we're aliens in this life, we have a tendency, especially when in the good life, like, you know, it's getting tougher here in America if you look around, but, but, it, but still we have it exceedingly good compared to many nations. But we can get tripped up and going, hey, I'm, I'm just living the good life here, the American dream, and, 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 and I think that's partly why we're in the times we're in. Good times make soft men. 
You know, we grow up in front of an iPad. What's that do to your head? <laughs> you know, I mean, we, 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 we're at a place right now where God is trying to stir the church, trying to awaken the bride through the shaking. Do you think he wants to come back to a sleeping bride? Well, how would you like it if it's your wedding day? You're all dressed up. You got your little bow tie. You know, you all your buddies around. Everybody, photography, everything. And then and it's like, well, where's the bride? Um, well, she's a little delayed. You know, it's a, okay, okay. Well, we'll just wait a little longer here. Preachers there, ready to go. The whole thing. You know. Well, where's where's the bride? Anyone know? Well, we we checked it out. We hate to break it to you, but she's taking a nap right now. She, she she's just a little sleepy. You know, on your wedding day. I'm telling you guys, the wedding day is coming soon. The return of the Lord. You can see the signs. Is this making sense to anyone? There should be a quickening in our hearts. Jesus said, watch and pray, watch and pray. Be alert at the end of the age. Be ready for the return of the Lord. Make sure you got your oil. Because some won't. Some will be begging you for, their, for your oil. But you can't give it up. Everybody has a private source that we draw from. Between you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we're just visiting here. It's temporary. We're on a temporary assignment. But what we do here has eternal ramifications. What we invest in in this life. Put it more plainly, who we invest in in this life will have eternal rewards. Or eternal distress if we haven't managed well. You know, I, I like to sometimes look at this life. You know, when we travel, at least for me, uh, you got your suitcase and you got your thing and you go, say you check into a hotel, you got your room, you know, you, and, and you just kind of, I think there's something about learning uh, to, to live out of your suitcase in this life. Like, you know, when you go to it, you go, I'm only going to be here two nights. And my wife's a little different. She starts nesting wherever she is. She's like taking stuff up and hanging it up in the closet. I'm sitting there going, we're only here for two days. I mean, what is my suitcase? I just open it up and there it is. Right. But anyways, <laughs> The point is, we need, in a spiritual sense, we need to, to learn to live out of our suitcase in this life. Because we're going to be going before we know it. We're out of here, and we need to keep the urgency. We need to uh, keep it lean and aerodynamic that we can accomplish the mission, that we don't get bogged down with the weeds that choke out our maturity, the riches and the pleasures of this life that choke out the very fruit that we're destined, that we're called to produce. I think it's kind of cute that my wife starts nesting, actually. I was like, you go, girl. I got my stuff right here beside the bed. <laughs> All right. So, um, so talking about pressing on, both passages talked about we press on, we press in. And, and the Lord spoke this to me. He said, the only way to be impressive is if you press if we're going to be pleasing to the Lord, there's no way to get there because here's the reality. There's a resistance 
to you getting to your destiny. And the only way you're going to be impressive to the Lord is if you've endured to the end and therefore you're saved. So there's a pressing. It, it, it doesn't come without war. It doesn't come without a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Does this make sense? And he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. It, I'm, I'm going to say this to, to you this way. It, sometimes it doesn't come easy to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus, and anyone figured that out, that it's not just a cakewalk, it's not tiptoe through the tulips, to, to, to come into your destiny, to fulfill the dreams. Sometimes it's excruciating times of patience or in, in endurance, or, or sometimes you have to battle through all kinds of voices. But I heard the voice of the Lord back there. I know the promise of the Lord. He said, we're going through, and we're going to a promised land, and all these things start to come, and you run out of water when you're in the desert, and all these obstacles and things that look bleak, where it would be easier, you start to think, to just go back. But there's some that will press on and press in and take hold of that for which they are created. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. This is Apostle Paul. He's saying, I'm not there yet. I mean, you think of how impressive his life was, but also how expensive it was for him to follow Jesus. It cost him. He says, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, pressing towards what is ahead. Can we get streamlined in our vision and our calling? Cut away the fluff, the non-essentials, as they say. What if God was speaking to us through all that? It's not just all a, a, a nasty globalist agenda. What if God's saying, hello, I'm right here with pruning shears, cutting away things that have entangled my bride in civilian affairs and made her not ready. She's not made herself ready. And I'm wanting to come back and I'm wanting to come back soon. So there's a shaking, there's a pruning, there's a cutting away. Anyone notice, anyone notice God shifting things, shifting priorities, changing things, making you more streamlined for your purpose for which he called you? I'm telling you, you'll never be more happy than when you're doing what God has designed you to do. Anyone experience that yet? Where you're like, wow, I'm living the dream. We're called to live the dream. And it's not just your own dream, because your own dream has limitations. Your own dream only goes so far. You might get a little blip or a little glimpse of it, but you only see in part. But God has a multifaceted, multicolored, 3D, 7D dream for your life where it all connects down to the minute details and, and utter perfection. And God says, does anyone want some of that? I press on towards the goal. How many people have a goal? People have goals. I want to make this much money by the time I'm 30. I want to do, you know, I, I want to have this kind of car. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but when those things eclipse the goal, the goal to win the prize, what is it? God has called me, not earthbound, not to be a big splash on earth. He's called you heavenward. And he takes care of the results on earth. So much are worried. So many times we're worried about how am I shaping up, sizing up in this realm. You know, does anybody like me? Let me tell you something. Jesus does. He's crazy about you. I don't know about everyone else, but I can guarantee you Jesus is on your side. 
People, people can flip like a dime. You ever notice that? I'm not down on people. But Jesus never trusted himself to men because he knew what was in them. Hello. He knows we're fickle. Look at your neighbor and say, you're, oh, no, don't do that. I'm, I'm going to say, you're a fickle pickle, but I don't want to put that on you, so don't worry about it. Just look at your neighbor and say, you awesome. You're going to press on and press in. But, but part of a pressing on and pressing in, watch this. We have to forget what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Now, there's something critical about that, guys. And I don't mean, I don't mean it, it literally just blots out of everything out of your memory. Like, I got no memory. Like, I got that. No, there's something about a reconciliation of the past, a cleansing of the past, where it can't snag you. It can't pull you back. It can't drag you down any longer. Everyone has a past. I'm sure you have a past, everyone here, if you're honest. If we're honest, we can be honest in church, right? And, and there's probably some things you're proud of, like, wow, I can't believe it. God used me. I was a good Samaritan, or good stuff happened. Or I, you know, and, and, I, and then there's probably some stuff like, oh, that was bad. <laughs> Man, that was bad. Like, there's, there's some bad stuff. And then you might go, ooh, there's, there's some ugly stuff. There's good, bad, and then there's straight up ugly. I haven't told no one about that. But you, did, but you need to get it under the blood. Everything needs to be washed and cleansed. Does this make sense? So that you're not snagged by the past. Forget what is the, behind you and press on what God has called you to. So I'm going to do a quick acronym of the word press. Y'all good for that? All right, here we go. So for, for the first uh, P, we got a P, and I'm going to talk to you about people. If you're going to press on, it's critical how people line up in your life. People. Now, to, to fulfill, to max out on your calling, your destiny, I believe every single person can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You know, you need the right people. And, and um, I'm going to read you that first scripture uh, where Paul says this. He says, join with others in following my example. So the apostle Paul leads an example, just like Jesus left an example they could follow. And he says, now join with others. There's others in the body of Christ, in the body of believers that are, that are walking in the same standard, that are following in this example that I've left for you. Take note of those who live According to the pattern we gave you. There's a pattern. There's a standard in scripture of what's pure, what's impure. And we're in a time of great confusion. That's why we need a Zadok priesthood who can teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane. We need a faithful priesthood, a royal priesthood in this day, New Testament, that can decipher between good and evil. In a time of such confusion, people don't know their right hand from their left. And it's infiltrating the church, that kind of confusion. And so he says, take note of those who live according to the pattern, the standard that we gave you. Do you ever do that? You ever look around and go, man, who's, who's walking it? Who's living it? I want to be with them. I want to not just take note of who's on the Lord's side, but I want to join with them. He says, join with others in following my example. Joining, running with a company of the pure together and catching the updraft. When those geese fly in formation, you're, you're going you're to catch something. Those, they said those geese can, can fly about um, 
uh, I forget the exact one, but it's something like uh, a fifth of the distance they can go um, when they're flying together. There's something about when we're with the company of the pure, calling upon the name of the Lord together. So people, you, you, you know, you heard the old saying, you are what you eat, but you are who you hang with. Just look at, especially teenagers, look at teenagers. You can pretty much just slice it and dice it. It's like, man, you with the wrong people, you're doing the wrong stuff. And we, we, we get, stuff rubs off on us. Stuff comes on us. Join with others. Join with others. Join with the company of the pure. And he says, he says this, that some, the wrong people, they're not just wrong. They're not just messed up. There's some that are destined for destruction. You want to hang with them? Nope. On that road, that broad and easy road that anyone can do, and they're destined for destruction, and you hanging with them. What's wrong with that picture? Who's influencing who? Does this make sense? So it says, verse 18 says, For as I have often told you before, and now I say again, even with tears, with great compassion. He's not just throwing this out there. He's like agony because he sees that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Many. And then he goes Deeper than that, he starts to talk about their destiny. Their destiny is destruction. Should be daunting, should be a warning when we hear such words. Their God is their stomach. Think of Esau. He just wanted a temporary fix, feed the flesh right here. And and the Lord says, Esau, I hated. Jacob, I loved. There's many people, their God is their stomach. Just feeding the flesh. Their glory is in their shame. You look at the, 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 the Grammys or the video awards, music, I mean, they're glorying in things that are shameful. It's like insane demonic stuff that anyone can see if they got even an ounce of discernment and they're glorying in it. I want to thank, thank God for this. And they're like, as I sang that song about Satan and kissed the girl and I am a girl and on and on and on and on. Is this making sense? It's so twisted and you can see it for what it is. Which God are they thanking? And so he says, as many are live as enemies of the cross. And he says that their mind is on earthly things. You ever been there? It's easy for our minds to drift into earthly things, carnal things. Not things that are pure and wholesome and excellent and praiseworthy. Lord, deliver us from earthly things. Our minds being on earthly things. Wash us, cleanse us, Lord. And so, people, we need to join with the right people. Run with the right people. That doesn't mean you get exclusive and all we hang out with is Christians. No, you take that people, you take that great company, and you go together into the darkness. Or Jesus sent them up in twos. Just two going out is profound. It's powerful. You can be a witness. You can be strong. People will see the light and run to it in times of great darkness. Okay, uh, acronym. Uh, we're going for R, and we have the word repentance. So first, we have people. This is not in a particular order. It just matches the 
the letters, okay? He's like, you could start with repentance. Actually, much of the gospel really starts with that. And the, the very gospel that was, uh, pro, that they, uh, uh, what's the word, that they uh, projected in the very beginning, that they proclaimed was all about repentance, a message of repentance. And repentance brings everything under the blood. And repentance is so, so essential. And, and even to the point where a lot, of, we got to get things reconciled with the Lord. And when we have things that are undone and things that are sins unrepented for, or we have uh, relationships that are broken and out of order. And, you know, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, forget him or her, be at peace with all men. You do your part. And what happens when we do that? When we make things right, God sets you up for promotion. He's like, oh, you got things right? How many things hold us back because we're dragging dead bodies from the past? Things that just went wrong. Unforgiveness, bitterness. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, if we, if we bring it to the Lord and repentance and get the washing, the cleansing, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Watch this. That leaves no regret. Who wants to live a life of no regret? Wow. Imagine standing before the Lord on Judgment Day and you got no regret. You're like, wow. Hi, Lord. You can look them eye to eye because you learned how to repent. You learned how to bring it under the blood. And he removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, some people just wallow in depression, and you can tell that it's, it's, a, it's a dead-end street. It takes people nowhere. But, but with a godly sorrow, it leads you to the cross. It leads you to the blood of the Lamb, and you get things right and, and washed and reconciled and cleansed, and you're ready to move on. Who wants to move on? So many times I, I feel stuck in life. I'm like, God, is it me? Sometimes it is. God shows me. you got to get this right. Who's waiting on who? Acts 3, 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Woo-hoo! Who wants your sins wiped out? And it gets better than that. And that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. Who needs some Refreshing. So we have to press into repentance, a lifestyle of repentance, keeping short accounts, learning how to ask for forgiveness with the Lord and with your fellow man or your spouse, keeping things clean. Because we know the devil prowls and he, he, uh, what's the word? He, uh, it's not prowls. What did he say? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of something. What he does, he infiltrates through bitterness. That's where he really starts to dig in there into the secret parts of your life, that bitterness, that unforgiveness. That's, that's where it really gets nasty, where it really starts to fester. Does this make sense? It says, um, again, in, in Acts, I don't have the exact quote written down, sorry, but it says that Christ will suffer and raise from the dead on the third day, 
and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And it, and it began just like that. First church, Jerusalem. And then this message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins is preached among all the nations. We're almost there, guys. The people groups have almost all been reached. And then the end will come. Okay, moving on to E for endurance. If you're going to press on to your destiny, to your purpose, to winning. Who wants to be a winner? (laughs) Heavenward, the goal to win. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. We have to endure. We have to run the race with endurance, with perseverance. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance is essential. We can't just bail out on the Lord. Okay? Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives endurance. You, you wonder, like, I just don't have what it takes to keep going. You know where we get endurance from? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Isn't that good? Give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So I want to challenge you that when you're feeling I can't go on, go back to God. Strengthen yourself in the Lord as David learned to do. When no one else, he had no one left to lean on at Ziglag. All his men were turning against him. He'd gone as far as he could, and he was at the end of his road. However, he had the Lord. And when he went back to the Lord, he strengthened himself in the Lord, and he came back. And they're, they're, they're ready to stone him. Let's just stone David. We're done with this. They took our wives and they pillaged everything we've ever had. We're done. We're bitter. We're ready to kill our leader and say, you know, just forget this cave life and everything we've done. You know, we're done. We're no, I don't even care about being a mighty man anymore. I've lost my vision. And then one man who knows how to go back to the Lord, who also knew how to repent, gets strengthened in the Lord. And he comes back and he says, I got an idea, guys. I got a vision. I heard from the Lord. And they're like, you know, they're like, look at each other. Should we drop these stones? I mean, start sharing the vision. How about we go get those guys and get everything back? Hmm. Okay, let's do that. That sounds better. I didn't really want to kill you anyways, but I had such anger and bitterness. I lost my vision. You ever seen believers that just lose it? They're losing it, and, and they're going to continue to lose it unless we know how to go to the Lord and be strengthened. Where does our endurance come from? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Somebody's getting that. See, that'll keep you going no matter what comes against you. I don't care if the spirit of Antichrist rises up and the whole thing is right before our eyes and we're looking at it and, 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 you, and you behold that nasty beast and everything in your lifetime and everything's going down and everything looks dark and dismal. I'm telling you, there's people that this is all you need. You just need to go back to the God who gives encouragement and endurance and you'll be all right. Does this make sense? How many people are in it to win it? In it to the end, to, to shine. See, I just believe that God's saying, I just want my people to shine. Well, how do you shine? Well, you just testify. You just show up. You just smile. You, you represent. You know, it's like, I think the Lord's, he, show up. I mean, that's a lot of it. That's a huge part. How do we shine? I think sometimes we've, the, the, the devil has dumbed us down for so long. We think it's so complicated. Show up. Smile, have a good attitude. How can I help? How can I serve? And I'll guarantee you, you'll be shining for Jesus. 
and there'll be rewards to follow. Woo! Okay. S, salvation. Like I said, it's not a particular order. I think it really begins with salvation. Jesus said this, watch this. You must be, be born again. You must be born again. Born of the Spirit. Speaking of that repentance, that new life. And if there's anyone here this morning that you don't know, if you were to die, drop dead, Lord forbid it, but this afternoon, that you don't know you're going to be looking at Jesus and you're going to be accepted in the beloved, then this is a, today is a day of salvation. This is a day to get your heart right and go, I want to burn for him all the days of my life. I already can see you got enough discernment. You go, man, everything in this world's falling apart. Everything man-made is nasty apart from Jesus. I have no good thing apart from him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, and I want that. And I want to be born again because I know I can't do it in my own strength. I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Salvation. Thank you, Lord. I press on towards the goal to win for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you're born again, you're going heavenward. You're going back to where you belong, where God has called you, the home of the righteous. And the last S, well, I want to, I want to share a little story I heard. I get, this is kind of, kind of powerful. So it, it's a story, it's a true story about a, a football team. And uh, it was a high school football team. And it was the, near the end of the season, and they had three running backs. And they had this one guy who showed some potential. This young man, he showed some potential. But he was kind of distracted. He was kind of just a goof off. He just kind of, you know, he was there. But he was third string, so he wasn't really going to play anyways, pretty much. So he just kind of was there. was just kind of known for joking around and being a little distracted. All of a sudden, boom, one injury, second injury. Coach looks at him and says, like, you're on. You're, this is it. And this young man gets that ball, and he runs like a wild man. Like, he's just out there. He's jumping over people. He's like, and people are, like, looking at each other and going, what got into him? I mean, just, just amazed. Like, he's just, like, a, a different person. He's just, he's ferocious out there. And he's just, like, uh, you know, he's just doing an extraordinary job that no one expected. At the end of, the, end of the, the game, they win the game. They come back to him, and they say, and the coach says to this young man, he says, what? What is it? What happened? Like, I didn't know you had this in you. Like, what? You know, and, and the young man says, kind of puts his head down. And he said, well, I, I, know, I know you don't know this, but, but uh, my father, he passed away this week. And uh, he was blind. So he, I just, I knew he could never really see me no matter what I did. But now... I know he can see me. He's got a new body. He's got a glorious body. And I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to run from my father. God sees you. He sees us. He's watching. He loves you. Abba loves you with an everlasting love. He's cheering you on. Are you going to run for him with all your might? Wholeheartedly unto the Lord. Wholeheartedly unto the Lord. He's watching. 
It's not just a figment of our imaginations. He's watching. He's cheering us on. He's paid the price to make us great. To make us sons and daughters. And so that leads to the last one, sanctification. Sanctification. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. I don't know, I've never looked that up in the Greek, but I wonder what that means, the through and through. It just sounds pretty thorough to me. May God sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what sanctification does. It keeps you blameless before the Lord, that you're prepared when the return of the Lord, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, may God himself, you don't have to do it in your own strength. Just like Jesus paid a price. Think of this. Salvation, we'll back up one, back up to salvation. It's a free gift, right? Jesus paid for that one, 100% paid for, free gift, salvation. Sanctification, you get to participate. It starts to cost us a little something. It's one thing to get a free gift. I'm saved, the blood of the lamb, praise be to God, born again. But to be made holy, to be sanctified through and through, body, soul, and spirit, kept blameless, begins to cost us something. To sanctify means to be set apart, to be declared holy, to be consecrated, free from sin, purified, to be morally right, to be acceptable. And Jesus said this. You might be sitting there going, I still don't quite get it. Like, how do I really sanctify? How do I participate? How do we get there? How do I get set apart in such a generation he says sanctify them Jesus said this John 17 17 sanctify them by the truth your word is truth get into the word until the word gets into you sanctify them by the truth your word Jesus is talking about his disciples some of us have been lax lazy of getting into the word Staying into the word, the washing of the water of the word. Your word is truth. It sanctifies us. It sets us apart. It gives us the mind of Christ. When everywhere else there's chaos, people don't know the right from the wrong. They don't know where is the way, the straight and narrow path, the lease of life. Where is it? It's, it's, it looks like it's overgrown with weeds, and, and you have to pull out that sword, the word, and cut back the things that stand in the way that you can run you can run the path that's been cut out for you the race that's been marked out for you everyone has a particular race a particular calling and I don't think we'll fulfill it at least not with strength not with great exuberance and victory without sanctification and that's where we get to participate how pure do you want to be how holy do you want to be is it just a song we sing it, we sing it, it sounds good. It's, good, it's acceptable in the worship realm. But when it comes down to it, in the, in the quiet hours when it's just you and God or when you're alone, do we really want to be holy? Does our heart beat for him? 
and his likeness to be sanctified, set apart. So you can't give something you're not. Your anointing will only go as far as you are. Some people want this anointing to change the world. Well, if you're not in that place, it's not going to happen. Does this make sense? God takes us on a journey and we can give what we live. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom. Anyone live long enough to figure that one out? Anyone, had, anyone got a shortcut in on God? Or has he been somewhat meticulous with you through and through? Word, precept upon precept, working it through. Does this make sense? Father God, he's just. He knows what we need. He does bring discipline. How many people rejoice in the discipline of God? Okay, we learn that over time. We're like, man, I need you, Lord. I need you to intervene. I need your discipline. I need your love. Thank you, God. So I'm going to begin to pray, and let's just take a moment. For the Lord and let Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Lord, we ask that you give us a grace to press in, to press on, and to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. Lord, would you give us a grace to press towards the goal? Even in the face of great opposition or great dis- discouragement great distractions, great deception that we would yet still press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. And I just want to pray right now, Lord, I pray if there's any areas of our past, Holy Spirit, you just quicken what might need to be addressed or confessed or covered in the blood or reconciled between God or with neighbors or friends or family members that we wouldn't leave things undone back there help us God thank you Jesus God, I thank you that you give us endurance and encouragement. It comes from you, Lord. You strengthen us to endure even hardship as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. So we're going to, this morning, we're going to have a time of communion and just believe that God wants to seal this word in our hearts. for this word we receive it we are going to press into you and I thank you for the reminder that our home is with you in heaven and we just work here 
I pray, Lord, that you would seal this word into our hearts so that we can hit our mark. Thank you, Father. And we just thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to take communion together. So as we take this communion, it's a, it's a beautiful reminder that we are one with him. He's our home. And the power of communion is that we get sanctified. We get cleansed. Even yesterday, what, what happened yesterday, we get a new beginning because we're one with him and he washes and cleanses us. So um, just a couple of things before I pray over the communion, just instructions. We're going to um, just, when we take the communion, you're just going to come up row by row and then pray and ask the Lord who you're to take communion with. Maybe three or four people just coming together in union and just let's just um, press on together that uh, to urge us to keep our our hearts heaven bound heaven bound and but yet hitting our mark here so we're going to pray now so Lord we just thank you for the privilege we have to be one with you Holy Spirit Come right now in our midst. Thank you for being in our midst. And we just take this juice that represents your precious blood that was shed on that cross. And as we take this bread, we remember the heavy price that you paid for your flesh being pierced for our, our transgressions, for our iniquities. Would you just right now just come and just, um, yeah, just restore us. Um, thank you, Father, for reminding us of any sins that we've committed, that you would cleanse us of that. Your blood washes us and cleanses us so we can come into your throne room boldly. Thank you, Father. We just, we just thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, you can make your way up here and um, take, take this communion and uh, find someone to take this communion with and just, um, yeah, bless you.